slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get those Z's. And if you need to snooze, we'd much rather you did it at home in your warm, comfortable bed than on our pews, which just might give you a backache. You can always catch up with the sermon later right here on this Sunday morning sleep-in podcast. Now you're still going to miss out on some things that we think are pretty important. I know a lot of you probably missed this week because we've had a big snowstorm here in Reno. Yes. And uh, it wasn't always super safe for people to come down out of their neighborhoods. So what you did miss was that we still had church. We still had intergenerational community and great music and charming children and snacks. But we will give you what we can. I'm Susan Foster. And I'm Chris Marshall. And we're United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada, where it snows on Sundays. We're not theological experts or homiletical harbingers of a, of a brand new wonderful age. We're your average pastors, helping our congregations think through life's bigger questions every week. We started this podcast so if you are away from home or working or snowed in or maybe just sleeping in, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon we gave on Sunday. So whatever day it is when you're listening to this, snuggle up with your good cup of coffee and receive this with an open mind and an open heart. And a quick note, we would love to hear what you think, but we don't expect that you think the same thing that we think. So if you don't agree with everything we say, or if you do, uh, we just thank you for listening and we encourage you to do your own thinking around this, to question, to disagree. And our hope is that through all of this thinking, processing, meditation, you might call it, you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life, particularly as you consider this. So Chris. So Susan. I started my Lenten series this morning. We mentioned last week that it was transfiguration and that meant we were on the cusp of Lent. And so here we are, we're in Lent now. And I'm doing a series on how God uses the broken parts of our lives. Mm -hmm. And some of the things I'm going to talk about are things that we think of as broken. And some of them are things that we don't think of as broken, but really lead us into brokenness. And they all begin with R for fun. Ooh. Yes. Alliteration. Alliteration. A preacher's favorite tool. tool. So this week we started with rebellion. Oh, rebellion. Nice. And so I had read or read depending on which service, Ezekiel 20. Okay. Which I think is a very, very fun passage. Okay, well, let's hear it. So here it is. This is in the message. It says, But Israel rebelled against me in the desert. They didn't follow my statutes. They despised my laws for living well and obediently in the ways I had set out. And they totally desecrated my holy Sabbath. I seriously considered unleashing my anger on them right there in the desert. But I thought better of it and acted out of who I was, not by what I felt, so that I might be honored and not blasphemed by the nations who had seen me bring them out. But I did lift my hand in a solemn oath there in the desert and promised them I would not bring them into the country flowing with milk and honey that I had chosen for them, that jewel among lands. I canceled my promise because they despised my laws for living obediently, wouldn't follow my statutes, and went ahead and desecrated my holy Sabbath. They preferred living by their no-God idols. But I didn't go all the way. I didn't wipe them out, didn't finish them off in the desert. Then I addressed myself to their children in the desert. Don't do what your parents did. Don't take up their practices. Don't make yourselves filthy with their no-God idols. 
I myself am God, your God. Keep my statutes and live by my laws. Keep my Sabbaths as holy rest days, signposts between me and you, signaling that I am God, your God. So, so Israel was acting up a little. They were acting up a little, and, and they got some natural consequences. Yes, they did. Right? They got the consequence that they didn't get that promised treat. Because they hadn't actually paid attention to what was required of them. I mean, I'm sure you're hearing it the same way I'm hearing it, but it's sort of like the parent saying, uh-huh. if you live under my roof, you're going to abide by my rules. Yes. And they have not abided. Yeah, they have a- not abided. Abodin. 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 Yeah. And so uh, you don't get the car keys. You don't get the car keys. Yeah. I'm not going to give you 20 bucks for your allowance. No, like, whatever. God's you're grounded. Sort of, God's grounding people because they're yeah. not behaving properly. And actually, um, in the New Revised Standard Version, uh-huh. there's even like a little tinge and it feels like God is like the frustrated parent in the grocery store whose toddler is throwing a tantrum. That's amazing. Like that's the image that it evokes in me. So that God's like, you know, and that, that kind of look you see on a parent's face when their their kid is throwing a ta- major tantrum in the middle of like the busiest store, the busiest holiday season, right? Yeah. And everybody's looking askance with them and they're totally embarrassed. God is that parent and God just wants to like smother us. Just be quiet. Just behave. Behavior. Can't you see that I'm doing this for your own good? good right? Yeah. So we have that that sense. And, and this whole rebellion, right? That, that, that they're like, they're chafing against the rules. And they're trying to figure out who they are. And remember, this is that group of people that were begging to get out of Egypt. Right. Right. And what's the first and thing they do? And now they're out of Egypt and they're like, well, we don't want to do it that way. Before that, what's their, one of their first reactions is, wait, can't we go back where there's actually food? Yeah, there's food back there. Let's go. Right? And so we have job like, security as slaves. Let's go. Yeah. So you can understand, like, God's at God's limit to be like, stop. Everybody just... Everybody just like... Just settle down. Yeah. Everybody needs a timeout. Yeah, can we have a timeout? And and that's basically what it gives them, right? It gives them a timeout. 40 out. years in the desert. Timeout. With your nose in the corner. Off you go. Off you go. So this got me thinking, rebellion being the theme today, Okay, got me thinking about rebellion and thinking about how rebellion can take some really minor forms and it can take some really major forms. So, so what's a minor? I asked folks today at church to think about their earliest memory of being rebellious. Mm-hmm. And they all kind of got this look on their face and you could tell that they were all thinking about something, right? Okay. And I said, well, did any of you steal a cookie from the cookie jar? Right when you've been told is not to. Is that rebellion? To. I think I think it's rebellion when you've been told you can't have one. Interesting. The rule is there, but I'm not going to be. I'm not going to listen to it. Uh-huh. I, I told about how when I was a little kid, it, I was supposed to turn off the lights and go to bed. And you would. And I would sneak books into my bed and read and read by the light of my nightlight. I am shocked, Susan Foster, that your form of rebellion was reading. Well, yeah. I mean, come on. Like my mom really didn't like it. Because yeah. she didn't want me to hurt my eyes and she didn't, you know, like there were yeah. valid reasons. She wanted you to sleep. She wanted me to sleep for some reason. So, so that I wasn't you would be cranky the next tomorrow. Day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was for my own good. But I remember, I remember how rebellious I felt. Like it felt like rebellion to sneak those books in. And, and I know there were times she didn't catch me. How many times did she catch you? Most of them. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I mean, like, I think rebellion also can incorporate, like, borrowing something that's not yours. And I use air quotes there. Borrowing. Borrowing, you know, like your sister's something or other, your brother's toy or whatever. Huh. 
But also, you know, flat out stealing. Yeah. It can be a rebellious act, right? I'm feeling like a really good kid right now. Oh, like are you I, good? Like I'm, I'm glad that your rebellion was the fairly mild, I'm going to sneak a book into bed. Right. But I'm sitting here listening to you and going, no. Nope, no. no didn't I didn't do this. Uh, okay, so how about staying out later than you should have? I I think I only did that once and it wasn't a should have because I had permission. Right, right. Like I'm talking about when you're supposed to be somewhere else and you're not. I mean, I do that following. more as an adult than I did as a kid. <laughs> It doesn't really matter, right? I, you know, I even suggested things like trying out smoking. Yeah. And trying out drinking. Like, because in my head, like, when I started talking about rebellion, like, the picture, the image is that iconic image of James Dean. Rebellion. The rebel without a cause. The rebel without a cause. You know, like, I gave all those examples from, like, childhood and teenagehood. But I think that as adults, we're just as rebellious. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I take more risks, certainly mm-hmm. now as an adult, than I ever did as a kid. Like, mm-hmm. when I was a kid, there were rules, and I was perfectly happy to follow mm-hmm. orders and do what I was supposed to do. I didn't always think it was fair, but I did it, you know. Yeah. And now as an adult, I'm like, mm, let's question that. Yeah. Let's figure out if that's actually legit. Right. One of the ways I feel it the most is when I do something that's counter to sort of my programming. Oh, yeah. Mostly I think of this in terms of culture. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm supposed to be X and I go, hmm, that's not who I am. But I also think about it in terms of my relationship with God. Okay. And the thought that often comes to mind or sometimes comes to mind maybe when I feel like God's calling me to do something and I go, no, mm, no, God, you really don't want me to do that. Oh, you would consider that rebellion? I think it is as a... It's not blind obedience. It's not blind obedience, right? Like, it's the the whole idea of saying, God, you told me this would be the better way to live my life, but I think I know better. I think think you're wrong. Hasn't been working out for me so far. Let's try it my way for a while. Right? And what happens usually with that? There's some natural consequences often. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is not where you're going, but, like, there's also the distinction between thinking that I heard God tell me something and then discovering that maybe that wasn't actually... Oh, totally Where true. God like, is. like point, I, I have right? to try like, it I my think... own way. And then I'm like, oh, maybe God wasn't telling me to do it that other way. Because this is working much better. Right. Well, and, and sometimes I actually think, like, and I didn't really go there this morning in my sermon. But I actually sometimes think that, that God uses reverse psychology on us. Oh, interesting. Like, it's that kind of concept. Yeah, you know, go left. And we go, no, I'm going right. And God's like, thanks. <laughs> God yeah. is that cartoon dog from Hanna-Barbera that just giggles in the corner. <laughs> I mean that in like the least chess PC way, right? Like Not, you don't think God is manipulative. No, I just think that God is just sort of like God uses the tools. God uses the tools before God. Yeah. In some ways. Or or it's a part of the redemptive thing, right? Like we make the wrong decision, we go the wrong way, but God says, eh, I can work with that. Interesting. <laughs> All right. That that goes back to last I mean, week's mystery, right? It's certainly a theme throughout scripture, the people rebelling and mm-hmm. then God calling them back and maybe some natural consequences and then the people rebelling and God calling them back. Like it's this yo-yo thing that happens over and over again. Yeah. Well, and it happens like on the macro, like mm-hmm. it happens like, like the, the example in Ezekiel. Of right. The, with the godless the idols. Right. And the people, like the, the monolith, the, the whole group. Everybody, everybody's in on this one. But it also, I think it happens that scripture reminds us that we're not the first ones to do this rebellion. Yeah. We're not the first ones. And that happens on a micro. Micro level, right? Like I think about Moses, you know, Moses, I mean, Moses has several, there's several things in Moses' story, but the one that popped into my head this morning was, you can't expect me to go and do that. God, I stutter. 
Yeah, yeah. I don't think public speaking is in my future. I don't think. I don't think. I took an assessment in high school, and they told me that I was better (laughs) suited for a factory job or perhaps something in agriculture. (laughs) Public speaking is not in my future. Right. And there's other pieces of the Moses story now that I think about it. You oh, know, yeah. Like, over and over again, God's like, hey, Moses, I want you to do this. And Moses is like, really? Really? You think that's such a good idea? I don't know. I don't, I don't think. I don't, I don't see myself doing that. Yeah. Well, and then. He's like Ryan the temp on the office. <laughs> it seems like you have a really specific vision for this, God. Why don't you do this? And right. then I'll take a look at it later. <laughs> and King David and the whole Bathsheba incident. Oh, ugh. Right? Right? Yeah. But that's that's a rebellion against who God has told him he is. Right. Right? Well, and it's also a rebellion against... The man already had 700 wives or something like that. What did he need another one for? So what did you need need to do that for? Maybe it wasn't risky because it was okay. And so he needed to take some kind of a risk, even though it was going against who God... Or because it was going against... And it also comes out of his hubris, right? Like, I'm the king. Well, there's that... Um, I don't know any other government leaders who have hubris. No, none. Jonah. Jonah is a very clear one because God says, go here. And Jonah's like, I'm going the other way. And I'm going to go gets, the completely other direction. He gets swallowed by a fish. Take right. that, Jonah. I did make the joke this morning that maybe this was going to happen to us now. We we're going to have enough water here in Reno. <laughs> uh, well, we're getting close. We're getting I close. haven't yet caught enough Magikarp candies to... To get that far. To get a Gyarados, which is, I think, the biggest fish I could think of that could swallow us. But I'm working on it. Okay. You work on that. Peter, last week's sermon, I talked about how Peter had that, they had that whole thing where Jesus is laying it all out for him. This is what's going to happen. Jesus sort of comes out as the Christ. And then Peter's like, oh. Oh, you mean that means you're going to suffer? No. No, no suffering. No suffering. And Jesus has to go get behind me, Satan. Yeah. It's like. Get out of that, the way. That's about get out. You know, get out of my way because don't let your your vision of how this has to happen. Did Jesus ever way. rebel? I think that's why there's a whole missing section of his life, like age twelve to thirty. We just don't know what happened then there. Yeah, there was well, some apprenticeship I mean, at some point. Well, I mean, in some way, the, the only story we have of, of his youth. Is that 12-year-old story? Is that 12-year-old story? And Which is a story of rebellion. He, uh, did he, didn't folks, follow, he wasn't following the rules. Did Jesus folks to stay at the temple and study with the religion scholars? Yeah. That's why I love the book Lamb uh-huh. by mm-hmm. uh, Christopher Moore. Yeah. That, the, all those lost years of yes. Jesus' life. Yeah. And uh, all the all the adventures and mishaps that he got up to. All of the malarkey yeah. he got into with Come, his yeah. friend Biff. It's a good one. Well, and I think of dogma when the, the angel says, you know, Imagine oh, yeah. having to explain to Jesus who he is. Yeah. Right? Like I think When he was that. like seven or eight years old. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. other one that... The, I just the started big... missing Alan Rickman again. Aw. Alan Rickman. I know. The one that is like the archetype for rebellion, Adam and Eve. Yeah, with the apple. With or the, the apple. fruit. With the whatever fruit. it was. We don't know yeah. that it was an apple. Might have been a banana. Could have been. Could have been. Could have been a pomegranate. They loved been. pomegranates back in the day. They did. They still do. And Adam and Eve, you know, sort of like just one bite's not going to hurt. Or just that knowledge. Just one or, apple. Just one apple. This really can't be as bad as God says it's going to be. Right. Or this can't, you know. We know better. We know better. Or we're about to. Or we're about to. But I also think God's reaction and that whole story about Adam and Eve is, a, for me, is about growing up. It's about maturing. Mm-hmm. And I think about, we have to do a little rebelling in order to know that, to, to figure out what the next steps are. You have to figure out some of the no's before you figure out what your yes is. Yeah. Yeah. Like you try something out and you go, nope, that's mm-hmm. not it. And nope. then you try something else out and you go, no, that's not it. Yeah. 
Um, I think that's one of the ways that God uses our rebellions, because I think not every rebellion is met the same way by God. Right. Well, and to some extent, we understand the depth of forgiveness when we feel like we need it. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes, I don't know if it's easier, but it becomes, I say more necessary, but it becomes more imperative, I guess, for that's, us to yeah. extend forgiveness as well. Yeah. I think this is why you sort of, you're sort of talking about the macro and the micro. Mm-hmm. Why when we do confession, we do confession as an entire congregation, mm-hmm. because we recognize that we are not in this alone. Right. We're all doing this together. And then we have, we usually leave some time for some private thought, you know, private thought because yeah, there might be some stuff that are my issues that are not your issues, right? but there is some stuff that we're doing together as a congregation and it's nice to have the cover of a crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, to, and to realize that we're not in this alone and, right. and we're going to get out of it together and yeah. All of that. And and the cover of the crowd also comes in that God has seen all of this. Yeah. Like, God is the experienced parent who's like, yeah, you're you're rebelling. That's just part of how, we're, how we get to the next level together. Mm-hmm. Is that you understand why I think this, and you be, and I begin to understand who you are in a deeper way, and then we can move to the next thing. Or you begin to understand that I understand you. Yeah. Um, well, I th- sort of think of, I had a friend named Ryan who, in seminary, would say, you know, you are a good parent when your kids go to therapy for different reasons than you do. And so, you know, we sort of would talk about, you know, your job as a kid is to forgive your parents for how they messed you up. And your job as a parent is to forgive your kids for driving you crazy. (laughs) But that it sort of goes both ways. This whole like, you know, as you become a parent, if you're not a parent, as you become a parent, you begin to understand your parents better. Yeah. uh, Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. And I think there's definitely that back and forth in the relationship with God, that dynamic. Yeah. I think God uses our rebellion also to reveal where our heart is and in the way that he, that we use the heart from Matthew six, you know, where your treasure is, right. You know, there will be your heart as well. Mm -hmm. And rebellion, you know, when we begin to feel defensive about those things that are most dear to us, that's one of those places that rebellion comes out. My strongest places of rebellion have been places where I have been in defense of someone else. Oh, interesting. Where I have stood up against the rules and what everybody else thought I should be doing, not for myself, but, but for everybody. Protecting somebody else. Protecting someone else. I think that's one of the places that God uses as a defining place. What are you willing to stand up against? And what are you what willing aren't you to willing? stand Yeah. If, we, if we're not given those opportunities, we may never know that stuff. Mm. I also think that one of the other ways that God uses our rebellion is to move us out of comfortable places. Mm. So that we risk. So that we risk. And so that we recognize our own fragility. Yeah. You know, like, so we here remember are the places, we are earth to earth and dust to dust, right? Here, yeah. Here are the places that I need to be aware of in my life because these are the ones, these are the traps that I'll fall into every mm-hmm. time. This is the bait I will pick up every time it's here, offered Here to are me. the factory installed buttons that I will respond to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. When rebellion is used in that way, that's another place that where we are challenged to move out of the places that are easy so that we might be where the places where God is. Mm. that's sort of been a theme this season for me the other thing i think how reason i think how the way i think god uses rebellion is that sometimes god pushes back at our rebellion we 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 rebel and we get pushed back and we start to realize that you know when we're done banging our head against that particular wall right there's something else there interesting you know i don't know that it's always i mean i obviously i think there's a variety of ways that this I think that's certainly been true with me in theology. Mm. There's There have been some theologies that I beat my head against for a long period of time. And then, like, it's not working for me. Mm-hmm. And I, usually it's somebody else who goes, well, what if? 
this and I go, oh, yeah, well, yeah. let's try that on for a while and see if yeah. it fits yeah, because right. this other thing is not working for right. me. Thinking particularly of when I was in high school and college and thinking that I'd heard over and over again, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, for I know the plans I have for oh, you, says yes. the Lord. And I thought that that meant like a literal plan. Like there was a step-by-step plan. And like, why didn't I receive it? What, what, what age do you receive that? Yeah, the, I'd, the, I'd like to know what you'd like me to one. do next, God. I'm about to graduate. It's time. You need yeah. to you need yeah. to let me in on the secret. And there was nothing there. And so to be able to say, you know, God gives you a choice. You get to decide. And mm-hmm. it took a lot of real frustration, mm-hmm. years and years of frustration and yeah. going, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Yeah. To be able to say, oh, maybe I'm it. Yeah. Maybe I get to decide. Yeah. So that's certainly been, I don't know that it's a rebellion, but it's certainly a questioning of mm-hmm. what I thought was rote. Which can be seen from the outside as rebellion. See, I think some of this is I'm so rebellious. You are. The perspective, you know what I'm saying? The other thing I, I, I want to make sure that we understand is that God responds to our rebellion in a variety of ways as well. Like mm-hmm. not just using our rebellion. You know, we can be in full on rebellion, running the other direction, moving as fast as we can. And yet God still is beside us. Yeah. I mean, like that. we may not know it at the time. That may be a long view that we have to get perspective on. But that's one of the things. I also think sometimes that God sort of stands by us, like the parent, like we mentioned, the, the tantrum toddler. Mm-hmm. And just like, it, it just kind of goes, are you done yet? Are you done? I've actually had that response in a prayer before. <laughs> are you Are you finished yelling at me yet? Yeah. Because now we need to get back to work. Right. Like, are you done yet? Right. Yeah. Or, or when you're done, we can talk. Yeah. Come find me. Come find me. Right. So I think there's some of that too, that sometimes we don't give word to as, as actually being of God. Oh yeah. No, totally. Because we have this like, I have, if I'm perfect... To get the right answers, but that there's much more of a tug and a pull um, when you get into this deep stuff, the stuff that you find significant. I remember that so vividly, though, when I was in high school, I had this pastor who told us that we could express any emotion to God. And mm-hmm. I didn't always feel safe expressing emotions to my family or friends. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that we could say anything to God and God was going to be okay with that, I thought, well, let's test that. Because I was really <laughs> frustrated about something. Which, looking back, was totally stupid, right? Well, but... And so I'm screaming at God, like, I have always been good. I've done all the mission trips. I've done all the all the things that I was supposed to do. Sacrificed my time, energy, all this stuff. Like, why can't I have this one thing? Mm-hmm. And I was just screaming. Nobody else in the house. Just screaming at the top of my lungs. <laughs> and there's this blink. And I hear in my head, literally, the words, Are you finished? <laughs> And then I started laughing yep. because it was exactly that. It was that it was the the loving parent going, I'm just gonna wait you out on this one. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll be able to get where we need to. And go. then we and then, you know, you will have perspective again. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really powerful image. Yeah, it was not at the time very no. pleasant. No, no, I'm not saying that you know. <laughs> Not but all powerful is. and wonderful things are all that powerful, are all that wonderful when we experience them. Yes, exactly. So yeah, that's where I sort of left it. I said, I said, you know, this is this is what happens when we're in the midst of this living this life, and and here we are. Think about what God, what God's doing with the things you're saying. You know, you're rebelling against right now, and, and where might God be really leading you? And um, are you going to drop the rebellion, or is the rebellion what's driving? Or is the, be- the, the rebellion God? exactly where God's calling you to go? Yeah, yeah. Because I think there is. There are definitely times when God says, throw a rebellion. I'm going to be the rock that you're beating your head against so that you'll figure out this is not the right way. Right. But also, you know, go throw the rebellion because I'm in that direction. Yeah. Turn the tables. It's time. 
Hmm. You know, so I think I think it's that both and. Yeah. That, that isn't always um, so nice and neat. Totally. So, so give us a sneak peek. What's next week's R? Oh, I forgot to look it up. Um, oh, no. I know. I think it's restlessness. Oh, I like that. Or it's the one after that. But yeah, so we, we've got some good R's coming up. I'm so glad this sermon series is alliterative. Otherwise, I would have no interest in it at all. <laughs> <laughs> Rebellion. Yeah. I'm going to be thinking about this for a while because I was, you know, I always felt like a pretty well-behaved kid. Well, and I don't, I actually, I think that's part of it. Like in my head, I like got thinking about it and I don't have necessarily a completely negative connotation with rebellion. Yeah. And a lot of people do. I mean, for a lot of people, it really is pushing back against something they think is awful. Right. Part of my process is Monday night Bible study with a couple of folks who are willing to come out on a Monday night and we have this conversation about mm-hmm. whatever the scripture is for the I'm preaching. And one of the things I said to them was, I don't understand what backtalk is because in my family, there wasn't backtalk. Yeah. There was conversation. Right. There's that kind of work to be done around rebellion. Is that rebellion isn't just bad in and of itself. It's a conversation. It's part of the conversation. Yeah. I mean, it certainly happens a lot in the Bible and it hasn't broken God yet. Nope. So God, God can handle it. We can keep trying. <laughs> we can keep trying. And I think God's also keep trying with us. Come on. Yeah. What you keep bringing me isn't, isn't, isn't half of what you need to be bringing. Uh, Phyllis Tickle sort of talks about whenever there is progression in the world, mm-hmm. like there's a big movement forward, there's a backlash. Oh, yeah. And so I think that it's sort of built into our, even our timeline as a society Mm -hmm. where we sort of like, we push and we push and we push forward. And then there's some kind of like whiplash back. Yeah. Um, Whether it's a small segment of society who gets real loud, which is some of what we've experienced in the last year, or whether it's everybody going, whoa, this is too much change too fast. We don't know how to deal with this. Yeah. But there's, there's a natural Mm -hmm. part of the sociological cycle that traps us into rebellion. That's part of who we are. Anyway. And then we rebel again against the backlash, and then we have another forward forward thrust, so to yeah. speak. Sort of a wave, kind of, actually. Yeah. That's one of the reasons. Hopefully I... the tide is coming in. <laughs> the wave is moving forward. Hopefully. Hopefully. So. Well, cool. Well, thanks, Susan. You're welcome. And thanks to you for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. If you have questions for us or stories that relate to the topics we've been discussing today, if you want to share a story of your own rebellion, shoot us an email at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com. You can find us on Sunday Morning Sleep In. You can find our podcasts on Facebook, SoundCloud, on the website, on iTunes, on Google Play, on Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. The scripture for this podcast was Ezekiel 20, verses 13 to 20. The theme music that you're hearing right now is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. So at the end of the worship service, or at the end of the service, we, Chris and I at our churches, we send people forth with a blessing, with a, with a task sometimes, with an idea to move into the future. And uh, this being Lent and really working on these uh, broken places in our, at our church, I just, I send you forth to be aware of your broken places and to be aware of where God is moving within. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm.